Craft Beer Radio presents the 2012 Saver Salons. For the fifth year, we recorded the salons at Saver. This year, there were 18 in all, six educational salons and 12 private tasting salons. You can find all the Saver podcasts, including ones from the past five years, all at our website at craftbeerradio.com. Fade to Black. John Mallet of Bell's Brewery speaks on Maillard reactions in beer and food. Good evening, everyone. Welcome. Smiles. You've had some good beers, I can tell. Yeah. This is always a manageable group. The next group is usually a little, a little chaotic. Right? Uh, I'm Tom McCormick. I'm with the California Craft Brewers Association. Anyone here from California? Yes. All right. Um, I'm here on behalf of the Brewers Association, and the Brewers Association is the organization that puts on Saver and, of course, the salons. They are the nonprofit trade association representing all of the over 2,000 independently owned craft brewers uh, across the country. Uh, the Brewers Association also puts on a little beer festival in Denver that some of you might have heard about called the GABF. Anyone here been to the GABF? Yeah, it's a great event. And uh, every year in Denver, fall time, again this year, October 11th to the 13th. Um, and you can find out more about that and all things craft beer at craftbeer.com. It's a great resource website also put on by the Brewers Association. And I'd like to thank our sponsors for tonight, which is Ray's uh, Beverage Company. And just some real quick housekeeping. I know you are a veteran beer enthusiast, so you, you know the drill, but four glasses in front of you. We'll have four different beers tonight. Um, the pitcher of water is for uh, water, and there's some water cups there for you, and also to swish out the glasses and pour into the pour bucket if you wish. And with that, I would like to introduce uh, John Mallett. John is one of those um, veterans of the beer industry. He's been around a long, long time, very familiar face to those of us in the industry. He's worked at a number of different breweries, including the old Old Dominion Brewing Company right across the river. He's done many different things in the uh, brewing industry. Uh, on the production side, on the design side, he's currently the Director of Operation at Bell's Brewing Company in Kalamazoo, Michigan, another uh, long-time kind of epic uh, craft brewery that's been around for about 28 years or so. So with that, I'll hand it over to John. Great. So um, let me ask you this. Do you want to do this or? Then. All right. So um, what I'm going to talk about today is effect of, of color. And, you know, we think about color in, in beer. And, you know, beer is really nice to, to have. Uh, you know, I love to visually look at it. You know, nice, maybe you get a nice creamy head on there and, you know, bubbles. And, and you've also got some color components. But the color also has some other uh, impacts on the beer itself and on all foods. And so we're going to play a little bit with some bucket chemistry today. We're going to do a little sciencey thing. And you'll walk away from this uh, knowing a little bit more about chemistry than perhaps you thought you, you, you were signing up for when you came to this. So um, really, when we talk about beer, we're talking about four ingredients, barley malt, hops, water, and yeast. And barley malt is one of those key pieces. And you think about that malty, when somebody describes a beer as being malty, there's a particular aroma that's associated with it. And so the first beer that you're getting right now is a beer called Consecrator Doppelbach. And it's a, it's a German style. It's a Doppelbach, so it's, it's a you know, strong, uh, stronger beer. And when we taste these beers, you, know, you put your nose in there, and you get this lovely kind of biscuity, crackery, sweet, malty flavor. And that malty flavor is, you know, sort of unto itself. You know, maybe you've smelled that a little bit in a malted milkshake or, or some other things. So there's a very specific uh, component to it. And one of those specific components that I smell in there is a, is a compound known as maltol. And maltol is a the carbon and hydrogen group, and it, you know, it's, it's just kind of in there, and that's part of what gives this beer its flavor. 
So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how that flavor arises. And one of the other flavors that we might get in something like this is a little bit of almost like a caramely kind of piece. Does anybody pick up, pick up the... So we've got some components in there that are malty, caramely, brown, and these are associated with this beer color. And they're associated with that beer color because there's, there's you know, pigmentation in, in the beers coming from there. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk today about a very specific set of reactions called the Maillard reactions and why those are important to brewers and why brewers are important to it and how those same flavors come up in all types of foods, a wide range of foods, and how we can marry those two together in this uh, harmonious manner. So um, what, the, what we're going to do is we're going to have three dessert kind of, uh, very, very different dessert components that'll come out on a plate. And we're going to have a total of four beers and we're going to pair some stuff together. And we may find that some things work well together and some things uh, don't play so nice in the sandbox. So I would love to get your feedback as we, uh, oh, look at that. Here they come. Look at that, huh? Just right on time. Whoa. <laughs> Cue the food, huh? <laughs> Look at that. All right. Okay, so one of, the, uh, one of the interesting things that goes on at these Maillard reactions is that essentially when we mix together an amino acid and a sugar and apply a little bit of heat and some moisture, we get this amazing set of, of, of flavors. And those, that malty flavor, this is one of those Maillard reaction products. Other Maillard reaction things that you think about are the, the crust of bread, the sear on steak. Um, there's some Maillard products that occur in vegetables. Uh, we get some in red wines. We get some in a, in a wide range of different foods. Foods that are roasted, coffee, chocolate, um, are very high in these products. And... When I think about caramel, like, I can make caramel. I could make caramel right here. Why, if I had some sugar, which I, which I got from the Starbucks, and I had a little bit of water and a hot plate, I could mix all that up, and I could heat that sugar up, and eventually that sugar is going to start to brown and burn and caramelize, and that occurs at a very high temperature. And these reaction products, we end up getting these great caramely flavors. Um, so one of, the, one of the items that we have is a little dolce de leche, which is, um, you know, the, the, the sweet of the milk. And this is just simply milk and sugar mixed together and cooked down into sort of this caramel component. But I'll tell you right now that when they made that dolce de leche, they probably didn't get that up to 550 degrees. So somehow they got these caramel flavors in there at below the temperature of caramelization. So the story of how this is explored and discovered starts off in England. And there was a, a brewing group, the Brewing Association over in England, that uh, promotes you know, lectures on, on beers. The Institute of Brewing. It's you know, still around to this day and very vital. And there was a, a brewmaster there named Arthur Ling who did a little bit of research and had noticed that when he heated sugars and some, uh, some, some proteins together, he got this interesting reaction. And he mentioned that at a, in a meeting in London around the turn of the century. And one of the people who was at this meeting was a young chemist by the name of uh, Camille Maillard, Frenchman. And he sort of scratched his head a little bit on it and thought, I want to do more investigation on this. And this consumed his life. This became his life's work. He was a, a chemist. He was a physician. And he did all of this work to develop these Maillard reaction products. So what is it? It's sugars and amino acids. And when heated together, we get some of these same caramel-like flavors and more flavors beyond that caramel-like flavors at much lower temperatures. And so as a brewer, when I'm making beer, when I made this beer and when the malt was made for this, I know that we didn't have the components of this way up there at, you know, you know, more than 500 degrees. All of this occurred at much lower levels. So what are these, how does it work? Well, when we talk about beer with malt, really what, what malt is is barley malt. And barley malt starts out as barley. Barley starts out as a plant. A plant that's growing like wheat and throws a, you know, a bunch of seeds up on the head of the stalk. 
And those seeds are going to become, you know, the next year's uh, barley plants. And the way that they do that is that they've got an, an embryo in there, the germ, and they've also got this package of stored energy, stored energy in the form of starch, just like, just like wheat. Now, that starch, if we look at starch, what that looks like on a sort of biochemical level is a sugar linked to a sugar, linked to a sugar in very long chains. And we as brewers, what we're doing is when, we, when we're making beer, is we are facilitating the breakdown of those starches back into sugars. We do this all the time. We eat starch, you put a little piece of something quite starchy in your mouth, a little flour or something, you hold it there. There are enzymes inside of your saliva which will break down those long chain starches into sugars. It's how we process, how we process starch. Now, the barley plant has these enzymes in it already. And these enzymes that are in there break that starch down to sugars so that that's what gives the plant growth. As a brewer, as a maltster, what we're going to do is we're going to sprout that grain, sprout that barley. And as it sprouts, it creates these enzymes. And then at the end of this sprouting, this germination phase, we then dry the malt out. And we dry it out because, you know, shipping something that's sopping wet and actively growing and getting ready to go sour and, you know, be a bad scene. So when you dry it out, the malt becomes now dried. And depending on how that malt is dried, much like we take a piece of white bread and we put it in the toaster and, you know, you pop it right out and it's kind of warmish white bread. But after a little while, we start to get a whole host of other sort of toasty flavors. These are Maillard reaction products. And these toasty flavors, which are just start to explode up out of there, um, increase as we, as we uh, keep the temperature on for longer or bring the temperature up higher. So this toasting process, we can get a whole range of different colors inside of malts and flavors inside of malts. The next beer that we've got coming out right now is called Double Cream Stout. It doesn't have any cream in it, so I guess it's double no cream, you know. But it has a really lovely sort of creamy character to it and an incredible like sort of richness to it. What flavors do you guys get out of this? So you're getting coffee? Bitter chocolate? Vanilla? Yep, and I'll tell you, there's none of those things in there. There is no coffee, there's no chocolate, but there are these wonderful components that are uh, inherent in this Maillard reaction group that are in this. And so I think about the way that these Maillard reaction products work is that as a brewer, the first thing we're doing is we're breaking down these starches into sugars. And also inside that barley is protein. And protein, Protein, what that looks like structurally, are amino acids that are strung together. So when we break down proteins, we break, those break down to amino acids. When we break down starch, those break down to sugars. We've got all the components there to make these Maillard reaction products, and that's what's starting to come up. So with this beer, well, why I, why I brought this beer out is that it is a very rich, um, it's, not, it's not super, super bitter, um, but it's very rich, very caramely, very full throughout the whole palate. So... What are, we, uh, what are we pairing this one with? The truffle? So we're going to try this one with the truffle. And um, see if this one actually works well, if the chocolate plays nicely with the chocolate, or if we want to do something. Do I get a, do I get a pairing, too? Have I been bad? Was I bad today? No, no dessert for me? Um, is it working? Is it, they're, they're pretty, they're, they're kind of close in flavor, yeah? And, but they're so, they're, they're, they're complementing. I don't know if one is, if, if, it's, if it's too much or if it would be better to, to separate them apart more. What, what's your thoughts on this? Ginger, you has always got an opinion. You've always got an opinion. I know that. So,
one of the one of the interesting things that you know when I go and, and talk about beer, um, you know, I, I was doing a, a, you know, a number of events where you know you sort of bring out a stout and people think like, oh, you know, especially like um, there was a there was one one in particular it was a whole table of um, older women. And they said, well, wait, you know, we don't want to drink, we, you know, that seems a little stronger. We don't like, we, we, we don't think we like that. I said, have you ever tried that? Well, no, but, you know, we don't really like dark. I said, how about, how about, how about chocolate? How about coffee? Oh, we love that. And that was the hook that got them. And then they, they just ended up blowing through the stout. That table was <laughs> really impressive. Yeah, yeah, quite surprising, really. Okay, so... So as we as we make these as we make these components as we make these Maillard reaction products just in any food any food that we've got amino acid and sugar together we're going to get some really interesting flavors out of and that again you think about meats about breads molasses soy sauce chocolates there's red wine bell pepper I mean there's a whole host of different foods that have got this wonderful uh, component in it and. It's very interesting that these show up, these reaction products show up in a whole bunch of different places. They appear to be used for a broad variety of signaling applications within the natural world. So aroma is there, but these products also can come about through um, uh, the bioluminescence of, of a firefly comes into this. And I'm not sure exactly how that works, but these are, these are signals and some of these pheromones. So they're very potent. They're an incredibly important class of flavor chemistry. And I thought, you know, I, as I was doing some reading about this, I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I'm very interested in the, this whole concept. And I came across a passage where somebody says, this guy, Harold McGee, who wrote like this seminal book called On Food and Cooking. And he also wrote a second book called The Curious Cook. And he talks a little bit about these Maillard reaction products. And he says, you know, you can go down to any health food store and you can buy amino acids. Phenylalanine is what, one that I've got here. And you can certainly make up a sugar solution. And you put those two things together and you get this broad, incredibly different smells, uh, smells and tastes. So some of them are rose-like. Some of them are onion-like. Some of them are, you know, that, that roasting onion flavor. Again, all of these pieces, I think, these are the essential core components that are in the beers and provide a natural hook or a way for us to get into, uh, to pair these pieces together. Did you guys try the second beer with the various desserts? What are we, what are we liking? What do we, what do we think's working? What do we think's not working? Huh? They're all working. It's all working. Yeah. Okay, well, this is the, the this right here is actually um, coffee mousse, and so the dolce de leche is the is the is the cake is the the, the fairly neutral cake with this with this cooked down um, stuff. Okay, so okay. <laughs> you think the chocolate gets lost with the dark? They're too. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. So you're like it. So you're so you're you're like in the mood. So it's interesting. We've got uh, so far. We've got number one votes for uh, all of these all these pieces. We're gonna have a couple more beers that are coming out. It'll be interesting to find out kind of what that ultimate pairing is here because you know I, I, I I'm very interested in this stuff. So we got more beer. Huh. Excellent. So the next beer we're bringing out is uh, Expedition Stout. So Expedition Stout is a pretty strong stout. Um, Bell's makes a ton. We make a ton of stouts. We, have a, we had a tradition that was the 12 stouts of November. And so we would brew 12 stouts. We'd brew like 14 now. Um, and most of these are pub only. But this is one that, that Larry has brewed for a long time. And uh, the old, there, was a, there was a beer writer who uh, passed away a number of years ago, uh, Michael Jackson, and on his top 10 list, uh, you know, his top 10 beers of the world list, uh, this beer always showed up on there. Um, so what this beer is, is, is about is it's got, again, these dark malt character in it. 
but it's overlaid with, uh, it's a strong beer, so there's a little bit of an alcoholic component in there. And another piece that I get in here is that as the beer ages, this beer actually gets better with age, and we get a little light oxidation to it, and so that, that becomes a little more creamy, a little more uh, smooth. Um, the, 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 what's that? Mm-hmm. Well, that's very, you know, that's very, um, you know, when you, when you talk about the sourness, dark malts will drive pH, beer pH down. The, you know, sour is acidity is, is, is low pH. So some part, partial component of the, of the same dark malt is also driving uh, pH down. And that's generally a good thing for beer. It kind of makes beers taste a little more crisp and, and, and more drinkable. No, no. Yeah, we barrel some of this stuff in, in uh, we barrel some of this and that gets pretty interesting. We, we play with it a little bit, but, yeah. So this one I think of as having, you know, like a little more bitter component to it, a little stronger, and I thought this one might pair well with one of the lighter pieces, so we're more contrasting away, um, but I'll let you guys make that, uh, that better determination. So I, so I was doing some work. Uh, I've got some. I got a, a, a library of brewing texts, and I have a piece that I found that was talking about dark malts that was from uh, 1691. And I've and I've got to share this with you because it's 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 really uh, it's a really compelling piece, and it says um, now as to the complexion or color of malt. White is the best, because most natural, and therefore, in all preparations and operations, you ought, as near as possible as you can, to maintain the natural composition or complexation of the thing. For the tincture ariseth and proceeds from the fine spirits and essential virtues. Thereof, if you order of making malt, you alter and change the color, then you also change its virtues and make the drink of another nature in operation. For all redness, or all high color in drink proceeds from some violence done to the fine spirits and fine virtues in the preparation. For the color is a stranger to the nature of that grain, and it shows that the fierce spirits and hot vapors of the fire have, as it were, transmitted or changed the malt, the mild, friendly, soft virtues and qualities of the malt into its own fiery nature. Force, not nature, therefore out of her way, nor change the form, for then the inward life and good qualities of that thing are in danger. For the fierce raging spirits of the fire and essences thereof do never depart from such parched, high-dried malt, but to always remain from whence the color there, the drink made thereof receives its high, bloody color, which most ignorant people cry up and admire as a virtue of good quality. But the contrary is to be understood, and nothing in the malt is a greater vice or evil, and the drink made thereof, together with its long boiling with hops, do seldom fail to wound the health of the drinkers thereof. Its, nat its natural operation in the body is to heat the blood, destroying the appetite, obstructs the stomach, sending gross, dulling fumes into the head. <laughs> Therefore, if you have wisdom and understanding of nature, remember that the nearer you come to nature and the more you imitate her, the nearer you are to truth. <laughs> <laughs> So apparently, we're all going to go to hell for drinking this stuff. <laughs> so, you know, as we're making these beers, uh, as we're making malt and making these beers, you know, that, that essential drying process starts to kick up these, these Maillard uh, products. 
And so what, I, what I've done today is I've actually brought in my little hot plate here. And I've got my sugar, and as soon as this heats up, we'll, we'll mix up some of this stuff, and we'll see if we can make some, some different flavors. So the so um, I often think of these beers when we're when we're when we're brewing them to get uh, this broad range, this co broad complexity of flavors that we're really making malt in three different ways. I think of malt in three different sort of buckets, and the first are these very pale malts, which do have a slightly malty malty component to it. You do get some of this aroma, and if as they dry. Um, as they dry at higher and higher temperatures, we get more and more of this biscuity kind of flavor. So this, this beer, this first beer, really, I think, exemplifies that, that malty kind of character to it. And the next way that malt is made is uh, when it's being dried, moisture is allowed to, to stay in there. And the starches inside the kernel uh, will convert into sugars. And then these sugars will caramelize. And it's not a true caramelization because we've got moisture in there and we've got um, all of these uh, sugars that have now been created and these amino acids. And so therefore we get this very uh, different set of these Maillard reaction products, the real caramely kind of flavors uh, and, and, and what we think about as caramely flavors are arising from this piece. And then the last way we can take malt, we can take a very neutral white malt and then put it in a, in a drum. And, and when you look at a malt roasting or kilning operation, for specialty malts, I mean, it looks like a giant coffee roaster. I mean, it's the same thing. And in these, uh, in these, these roasters, if we bring the temperature way up there, up towards that 500 degree temperature, then the malt begins to get very close to spontaneously combusting. To make a really you know, great black malt, um, I think you're with what, within like 10 degrees of spontaneous combustion, is that correct? So you're, you know, it's, you know, as they say, I was talking to maltsters, they say, you know, you know, making black malt's a great way to burn down the malt house. <laughs> and those get these very acrid and ashy kind of characteristics uh, in, in those beers. Um, so with these, uh, with these different types of malts, these broad classes, you know, the, the three buckets, uh, we've got a, a broad range throughout them. So, for example, this double cream stout, what we're doing with that is we're using a fairly high component, a fairly high amount of these caramel malts, these malts that have been mashed with, uh, uh, together with, or, 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 or stewed up with sugars in them. And that is what gives it that really round, broad character. Uh, I think the piece that I taste in the, in, the, in, the, in the third beer, the Expedition Stout, is a strong sense of this really dark flavor. And these are flavors, I think, that come from the, the, these ashy flavors. These are in a, in a really high roasted, like, um, you know, French roast or something like this, a coffee like that. Well, sh well there's, a, there's a diff different types of sugars and there's different types of amino acids. There's 26 amino acids, and in terms of sugars, you know, when we talk about barley is storing its, um, its, its energy in the, in the form of these, uh, C you know, sugar C6H. Uh, 1206, um, and that component, that glucose, when you link a bunch of them together, two of them together is called maltose. And with uh, sugar that you get from, from um, the sugar cane, this is actually a mixture of a glucose and a fructose. And fructose has a five carbon chain and the glucose has a six carbon chain. And so there's this mixture of these two different types that are there. And so different amino acids combining with different sugars will give different flavors. Um, uh, we think about, you know, fructose is, is interesting that sucrose is like half as sweet as fructose because um, just the way that it's structured, they have what's known as a reducing end and there's one of them on each molecule. It just happens to be that the sucrose molecule is twice as big as the, as the fructose. Okay, so now this last beer it's a beer that you, it never leaves the brewery. This is one of the only places it's ever, that we've ever taken this out of the brewery. This is called Eccentric Ale. And so this we brewed in 2008. And we throw a bunch of crap in Eccentric, and it's different every year. Um, 
and some pretty weird stuff over the years. But this right here is brewed with uh, birch syrup, honey, maple syrup, spices. There's a bunch of juniper, uh, elderflower. I mean, it's just a really um, uh, complex and goofy beer. It's lovely. Every year you brew this beer, it's, there's, a whole, there's a whole piece with eccentric, um, we only we release it once a year, and uh, eccentric is a week for us, and so eccentric day is a Friday, and Thursday, if you go, come to the pub, we've got all kinds of goofy beers on, Larry Bell buys like just the goofiest food out there imaginable, and it's just a big free spread. You need to show up, um, not dressed in costume, but dressed, uh, you know, from the from the other end back, the back side of the closet. Certainly, you know, people sh people put a lot of effort into it. And it's just a great fun day. And the prior day to Eccentric Day is uh, is the Eccentric Brew Day. So we brew the beer on Thursday, and then the stuff ferments for a full year. And at the after you know a year and a day, it's then served and. Oftentimes, you know, it comes out on that, after that year and it's just, it still tastes hot, it still tastes young, it still tastes like out of control. But it's like a, you know, it's like a great uh, bottle of red wine. You know, a great year of red wine is, you know, you need to put that thing away for a long time for, to mellow out. And I think that's the same case with, with this beer here. Interestingly, these dark malts, these dark malts have a lot of um, reducing power in them, antioxidant properties. So it takes a while to, for them to start to oxidize down and to, and to develop a level of complexity. I thought this beer here would be very interesting with some of the desserts because it does have this just, you know, giant load of different uh, uh, flavor components in it. Very multi-layered, very, uh, very rich throughout. What's that one working with? Another bottle, it goes well with another bottle, yeah. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I, I go, my, for whatever reason, uh, my kids, they always have the winter concert on eccentric day, like it's always that day. So, you know, people are just, people get, people get pretty wild at the pub, and so I'm off at the school concert till seven or eight and get the kids home in bed and then I figure I'll go back down to the pub and kind of see what the you know what how things are progressing down there and so I show up like 9 30 at night completely stone sober the place is just roaring like, I mean it's amazing you know there's just great opportunities there for for taking pictures and uh <laughs> whew. and I remember going in there and I and I went to the bar and I ordered my beer and then you know, I, I went over to talk to some friends. I got maybe a sip, and then somebody says, "Hey, could you come with me real quick?" Said, sure. You know, what's going on? Said, come out front. We need we need you out front. So, okay, I'll, I'll you know I put my beer down there, and I go outside, and you know, Kalamazoo, where the brewery is, actually has the tightest uh, train turn east of the Mississippi, and right outside of the brewery. There's this tight train turn, and people were parking all over the place, and they parked like right next to the train tracks. And so, as the train's going by, you know, the front end of the, you know, the, the front end of the cars kind of swing wide, and the train managed to, you know, they're not moving very fast there because a very tight turn. Train's not moving very fast. It cut, catches a car, takes that car, starts to push it forward, crashes it into another car, crashes that into another car. There's three car train wreck. Cops outside. Everybody's freaking out. I'm, you know, out there trying to manage the situation and you know all this stuff and. You know, after about an hour, I get this whole thing done. I walk back in. My beer's there. And oh, hey, where were you? <laughs> I, was, I was outside with the train wreck. Like, right out front. Really? So, I got to tell you, it's a good enough party that, you know, multi-car train wreck in front of it. And, you know, <laughs> nobody even notices. <laughs> Pretty good day. Okay, so what I've got right now is uh, right, what I've got right now is I got a pot up here with with some water in it and some sugar in it, and it's been just bubbling away here. And you know, it's it's probably fairly warm. It's probably fairly hot. Um, I would be uh, you know certainly nervous to put my finger in there because it's a sugar solution. And 
But I'm not getting any color change. I'm not getting any. Um, I'm not getting any real aromas off of it. Do you guys smell anything? Okay. No, I. I mean, I can't smell anything here. So. So what I've got then is I took some of those phenylalanine and opened up the little capsules and, and put the powder, you know, the, the, the phenylalanine amino acid on here. And I'm just going to stir it in here and we'll see if we get any, uh, anything going, either color or aroma. So I'm going to throw some of this in there and kind of stir it around. And right now it's looking a little like uh, white powdery stuff on top of bubbling, liquidy, gooey. What's that? You smell bacon. So right now I've still got it still looking kind of white. Actually, maybe it's getting just a little bit of an amber hue to it right now. And maybe I'm getting a little, getting a little aroma off it. You guys smell anything? The next, by the way, the next seminar that's in here, they're screwed. <laughs> It's not that hot. I mean, it's well. It's not going to caramelize. What we're going to do is we're going to we're going to build these Maillard reaction products, which occur at very low temperatures. You smart. You guys are starting to smell something. What do you? <laughs> Was that you? Oh, dude! Dude! Oh, come on here! <laughs> These, because what it's, doing, what it's doing is that these, these amino acids, when they start to link up with the sugars, they start to build much larger structures. And so these Maillard reaction products might be just a simple sugar to, a, to an amino acid, but then it'll maybe bridge to another sugar amino acid pair, and that whole thing starts to complex up. And when we get these very big, complex pieces, um, they've got optical qualities, they're changing the color, and they've also got these aroma characteristics as well. So, is that... Is that enough of an answer, I guess? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now we're starting to get a little. Again, it's just a very, just a very uh, light color change so far. Um, in the past, this has turned. I actually get a little. I almost get like a little bit of a, a rose kind of character to it. No, it's, uh, I mean, it's the, the root. Yeah, actually, yeah, root would probably be doing that. You go really dark, you either keep a brown or a dark root, so you'd be, you know, in that, in that root, you've got some component of um, starch. You've got, you, and you've got protein in there from the, uh, well, <laughs> famous chef Jean Marie over here, <laughs> making a, hmm. <laughs> Do you guys get any of this aroma? Yeah, no, no. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Mark, can I spill some hot syrup in your lap? <laughs> Maybe more heat. Do you guys get any of this aroma here? Yeah. yeah. Kind of a weird, weird component to it. No? Yeah. Who knows? I don't want to spill this down somebody's back, you know. So, do you guys get any of this? Yeah. How would you characterize this aroma? What, what do we think this smells like? I've done this with, I've done this in the past with corn syrup, and I get, uh, I've gotten more of a color change out of it. You can start to smell it. Yeah. Yeah. You guys getting that at all? All right, I'm gonna throw it back on, see if we can get some more colors. All right, so what else do you guys want to talk about? How do you, how do you get this beer? You can, you can get, you, you come to the, come to the eccentric, come to the eccentric. I mean, it's a fantastic party. Um, and um, that's when you can get it. Huh? It's always Dece it's December, yeah. I think it showed up in the USA Today as like 
one of the top 10 holiday parties in the country or at one point. Question. Very, very, very rarely. Yeah, we make. <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's a really fun project. We make a lot of different beers, and we try really try to get them out there to to folks. And uh, you know, it's like twenty six different beers a year or something like that. So, so maybe we need twenty seven. So they do occur. So, so what they're doing, what they're doing, those reactions are spontaneously happening because we've got sugar in the wort, and we've got um, and proteins in in there, and we've got moisture, and we have heat, and so they'll start to darken up. Here's an interesting fact for you: that if you're making a standard like an American industrial light lager beer, more than half of the color in that beer occurs in boiling that beer. So the, 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 un, the unfermented wort, as it's flowed from the louder tub to the kettle, that might have a color of, say, one. And by the time you're done boiling, that color might be 2.2. Now, with a stout, where we've already developed a lot of those colors already, they're not, the, you know, the, the rise is still going to go up by one, but it's one out of 50, you know. Yeah, something like that. Other questions? Yep. Just, I mean, I, I, I agree, you know. I mean, it's, uh, um, the, I, I do think that, you know, I, with a lot of craft beer, you know, the, there's a real drive towards building flavor and building flavor in larger character uh, in the beers. Um, with, you know, especially light American lager, they're not looking for those flavor and color, uh, and the malts, therefore, are, are quite neutral. It's interesting that that same barley could be used to make either type, you know, anywhere in that spectrum, and that um, so much of what of what's going on there um, is is in the hands of the maltster. The maltster is just you know absolutely key partnership for the brewery to have. Um, I think that I think it's interesting. You need very good quality malt to make great beer, obviously. But then there's a level of skill uh, in, in, in how that's dr driven, you know, not just the quality of the raw materials, but the process that they go through and how it's treated. Um, I mean, I, can't, I, I, I just love that multi character. I mean, that for me is a huge driver of, of what beer should taste like. And it sounds like that's the case with you as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got we've got beers that um, there are certain beers that we make that if they go if they get oxidized, especially, then they will become very soy sauce like. I mean, that's a flavor descriptor for us that it gets a very intense character of that. Um, you know, we we punish beers at the brewery, you know, for flavor panel just to see you know how badly they're going to screw up. And really, with the with the especially with dark beers like a a, a dark colored. But light alcohol stout will really go to soy sauce for us. No, no. Once it's done, it's done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. It's the worst soy sauce I ever had. <laughs> Um, so really, what it, you know, when I look at these, when I look at these Maillard reaction products, knowing what I know now about about this, I think how could I enhance these in some of the foods that I like to cook or the beers I like to make? And I think from the food standpoint, you know, the the crust of bread, I mean, that's that Maillard piece. And you think, what could I do to increase that? Well, if I had more sugar on there, or if I had more protein, if I took um, a bread. And I put milk on it, like brioche, right? A little milk on there, and then maybe glaze it with a little bit of a, a light honey or something like that. So I've got milk, and I've got the milk is giving us the protein, and I've got some honey, which is giving us sugars. 
this will start to elevate that up in the same way that we're able to do this. You know, I look at, when I'm looking at malts, for us, one of the important pieces for malts is that you know, there are some malts that will have inherently more protein in them. And maybe these malts help to drive this Maillard piece forward for us. So if I'm buying caramel malt, I want to buy caramel malt of, of, of a six-row type because it's got more protein. It's going to go to this Maillard reaction product a little bit easier and, and maybe express a little more strongly. So I guess the takeaway here is that, you know, the, the, from the flavor chemistry side, I happen to think this is very interesting. And as I build flavors in foods and I build flavors in, in, in beers, um, having that knowledge that arms me a little bit so that I can, I, I can move uh, towards a more flavorful product. So. Other questions? Nope. No, I mean, I think we've got an ample supply of amino acids. Uh, we've got an ample supply of amino acids in, uh... oh, wow. You should come on up and smell that. It's very, it's very different now. Here, this table here, up there and smell some. Maybe I'll pass this down. It's very interesting. It started, it's starting to, to, uh, to change in aroma a little bit now as we get more color. It's like a rose. Are you guys getting the rose? Do you guys smell it at all? So I'm just starting, just starting to pick up a little bit of color off of this right now. Walk down through here. It's like a little dried. Wow, very earthy. I'm gonna come in front of you guys here. Oops, maybe not. I'm just gonna walk around here. Grab it. There we go. I don't want that in my lap. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Do you get that? Yeah. Yeah. You guys smelling this at all? Reminds you of Decatur, Illinois. All right. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this right now. Your favorite pairing tonight, what with what? The last one with whatever. <laughs> the first one with the, the dolce de leche, yeah? Sure. Eccentric ale truffle? Doppelbach and... The third with the coffee. The third one with the coffee? All right, so we got some we got some good good pairings here. The um the yeah, the <laughs> Okay. What time we got? Am I on time? You're on time. Nine o'clock. All right, perfect. Well, all right. Well, no more. We we can take more questions. Uh, I drink a lot of Two Hearted, so. <laughs> yeah, I love that beer, so. I love all the beers, though. You know. Exactly. <laughs> Although I have a 14-year-old daughter right now, so we don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's next? Uh, I mean, we make all kinds of goofy beers. Have you guys been out to, to some of the beers we brought today? Are um, the smoked Vienna Lager, and then we also have uh, the uh, Wild One, which is a sour beer that's out there. I mean, we kind of we kind of expand in a lot of different directions. You know, the, we've been playing a lot with um, with some other sour stuff. There's a beer called Oarsman that we're doing. That's uh, very different. It's uh, it's nothing that you want to be like. Here, you need to drink this, but it's a very light sour beer, four percent alcohol. I've been playing. You know, I've been really enjoying playing with that because it's kind of outside the realm. I, I look at it like a sorbetto. What's that? 
it's soured with lactobacillus, and it's done. It's a very stable beer, um, so it's it's not it's not really changing. Oh, look at this! We're starting to get look at this. We got a little brown color here now, so we're starting to pick up some of that color. And, and these these products are, oh wow, and yet another. It's now like a kind of a nutty character to it. I don't know if you guys. Do you guys get a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting that this is, do you guys get that? You guys have got the killer noses for smelling some of this stuff from back there. Do you guys get this at all? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you want to smell that? You want some of that? Yeah. yeah. It's very, inter very interesting stuff. Okay, well, do you guys have any more, any more questions? No? All right, we're good. We're going to go drink some beer then? All right, all right. All right, everyone. Thank you for uh, coming. Thank you, John. I trust that no one is afraid of the dark after that. Just a quick reminder that this salon was recorded, as are all the salons tonight and from last night as well. They're available on craftbeerradio.com. How about one more round of applause for this guy? That was great. Yeah. Thank you, there's a few more beers out there waiting for you, so have fun. Thanks for listening to this Saver Salon. Craft Beer Radio is a mostly weekly beer podcast where we attempt to educate and entertain. If you haven't heard our podcast, we invite you to find us on iTunes or go to our website at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Please visit craftbeerradio.com for more information.